Welcome to Gateway Church Cymru, a church where anyone can be transformed by the story of Jesus. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Revival, the roadblocks to revival. And if you've got a Bible tonight, can you please turn to Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6, and we're going to read verse 1 to 3 and It'll be up on the screen behind us as well tonight. But Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 3. And it says, When the word came to Sanbalt, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall, and now a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sanbalt and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of our villages uh, villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it to go down to you? So we've seen over these last number of weeks that a revival, it is an awakening, a revitalization, a return to a former glory within the church of Jesus Christ. And yes, we've seen the revival touches the unsaved, it touches unbelievers, but revival is primarily to the church, to awaken the church back to his first love, to draw the church back to Jesus again. And we've seen from scripture and from past history that revival is all of the Lord. It's not man-made, it is not an event, it is when God comes by his spirit and does something that only he can do. It's God-initiated, it's God-led. And so we've looked over these last couple of weeks, there are certain things in the Bible that instructs us, that things that we can do as the people of God to get ready for a revival. We've looked at those, the ingredients for a revival. But you know, just as there are things we can do to prepare for a revival, there are also things that we can do that can prevent or hinder revival from happening. And that's what we are looking at, the main roadblocks, the hindrances to revival. Now, we've seen last time, Nehemiah, this guy, he was an incredible man of God. He felt the call of God to leave Babylon and to come back down to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. He felt God leading him this way to restore the city that had been destroyed by the enemy. But we've seen that when he tried to do that, there was opposition. It was opposition. People, there was a group of people who came along to try to stop him from rebuilding the walls. And you know, they insisted that, it was nothing to do with what God had said. That this was just a political matter. That, that the reason they didn't want this to happen was because of a, a political matter. But we see there Nehemiah replied to them. I love how straight Nehemiah it is. So it's in verse 3 of chapter 6. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should I stop the work while I leave it to go down to you? Nehemiah knew what was happening. He knew they were scheming to try and stop him from trying to stop this work coming to pass. And you know, last week I shared, it's always the case. Whenever somebody has a desire to do something for God, whenever God calls somebody to a great work, and there appears to be a chance of there to be success, or there to be God to bless it, then you can guarantee the enemy, Satan, will do anything he can to stop that work, to stop that person. And Satan comes along and he doesn't just cut us down, but he starts to divert us. He'll cause distractions to come up left and right, and come all over the place to distract us from focusing on the work that God has called us to do. 
You know, I believe that Satan would even try to do that, even with church, even tonight. You know, there's not many people here. There's, you know, there's no point in doing it. You know, there's, there's no point in us carrying on. But you know, tonight God has called us to this place. There's a reason why we are here tonight. It is to bring glory and honor to God. This time tonight, even though there's a few of us, it's not a waste of time. It doesn't matter. We're here to glorify Jesus. And you know, tonight as we've prayed, we believe that God would hear our prayers and respond to our prayers. But the enemy will do anything he can to stop the people of God in doing the work for God. And we see it happen in many revivals. Great revivals. Revivals which you've read about. Revivals which stories are still being told today. But you see, we see that Satan comes along and distracts, diverts. And then we see the revival stopping. Because we know the enemy doesn't just sit back. How many of you know that the enemy doesn't just sit back and allow us to live this Christian life and allow God to move and his kingdom advance? He doesn't allow that. He doesn't long for that. He does anything he can to stop God's work from coming to pass, even though he's been ultimately defeated. Even though Jesus has won the victory, he still goes about to try and stop God's full plan of salvation coming to pass. And so we're going to look tonight, uh, continue to look tonight, at some hindrances to revival or roadblocks to revival. I've got to be honest, we could have gone on for another six or seven weeks to look at all the different hindrances that, that can come about to stop in revival. But I'm not going to do that to you. Don't worry about that. I'm not going to put you through another three or four weeks of this. We're going to look just tonight at some more hindrances to revival. And there are five, we're going to look at another five roadblocks very quickly. So the sixth roadblock, we looked at five last week. We're going to look at another five this week. The sixth roadblock is a revival will stop when Christians get proud. Pride. When pride creeps in, you can guarantee you the revival will stop. When believers start looking at themselves and looking how good they are and how great the church is and how filled the church is, uh, instead of looking to the Lord and thanking Him and praising Him and giving Him the glory, you can be guaranteed the revival will stop. Revival will stop. In fact, anything that the church tries to do that doesn't bring glory and honor to God and that doesn't point to Jesus, you can guarantee that God's not going to bless that. God's not going to be in it. He's not going to bless it. It's going to stop anything. It's going to stop God from doing anything in that place. And you know, we must realize tonight, and you know, something that I've realized and it's something that we need to realize is that we're nothing without Him. We're here because of Him. We have this privilege of joining with him tonight and being part of this church because of Jesus. It's not because of us. We haven't earned our way into this. We haven't got a badge. It's not because I'm part of the Morgan family that I'm in this place tonight. It's nothing to do with that. It's because of God's grace and his mercy that has saved me and he's made a way possible that I can be a part of the local church, that I can be a part of his great plan in restoring this world to himself the same for each and every one of us. We're not here by merit or because of history or because of who our parents are. We're here because of Jesus. It was God's plan that we would be saved, that we could know him, that we can have this relationship, that we can belong to him. Without him, we are nothing. And if we think we can carry on living this Christian life without him, then we're mistaken. We're fools. So often we feel like that, don't we? Is it? I don't know. Anybody want to be brave enough tonight to put their hand up and think that, you know, when we get saved, that we can do this on our own now. I make that mistake quite regularly. You know, I, I've got saved, I surrendered my life to Jesus, but now all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, God, I don't need you now. I can carry on, I can live this Christian life without you. I don't need you, it's fine. 
I'll go to church, I'll go through the motions, I don't need you, I don't need your spirit, I don't need your word. That's fine, I can do this. We can't. We need him. We need the church. We need to be in church together to, for strengthening, for protection. We need him. We need him. As I've already shared tonight, John chapter 15 and verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, listen, you will bear much fruit. Who wants to bear much fruit? I want to. And we need to remain in him. While every branch, uh, and then he goes on to say, apart from me, you can do nothing. I think the sooner we realize this, the better. But God, we need you. It's not about church. It's not about programs. You know, our programs won't save people in Abraham. Our family days won't save people in Abraham. And our website won't save people in Abraham. It's only Jesus who can save people. And it's only when we as a church decide to get, okay, we're going to get rid of everything else. Jesus, we're coming back to you. That's when God will bless. That's when God will move. You know, church and revival, it isn't about the name. It isn't about a history. It isn't about a pastor. It's not about a people. It's not about a leadership team, a worship team. It's all about Jesus tonight. And it's all about him. Always has been, always will be. It is the church of Jesus Christ. Not Gateway Church. No, you know, any other church. It's the church of Jesus Christ. It is his church. It is all about him. Revival is all about Jesus. We are here, you know, we come to church not to be entertained. We are here to bring him glory. We are here to honor him. We are here to share the good things that he has done in our life. We are here to grow in our love for him, our knowledge of him. That's why we're here. It's all about him. And we're, unfortunately, we're living in a time where church has become about me. What can I get from church? How can I get blessed? You know, the Bible says that in the last days, people will only come along to, to and go to places where their ears are being tickled, to hear messages that pleases them, that fits in with their way of life. But that's not what church is about. It's not about what we want. It's all about Him. And that's coming together because of Him to bring Him glory and to bring Him honor and to point others to Him. You know, it says in Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 34. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34 says, He mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and the oppressed. It says in James chapter 4, verse 6, James chapter 4, verse 6 says, But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. 1 Peter 5, verse 5. It says, again, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Time and time again in scripture, shows us that God hates pride, but he honors and he favors the humble. Those who say, God, it is all about you. Humility is not about hating ourselves and putting ourselves down. Humility is actually recognizing that, God, you're first. You're number one. You're in control. And I follow you. You're my Lord. That's what humility is all about, servanthood surrendering to him not about thinking less of ourselves it's actually as i shared a few weeks ago humility is not about it's about not thinking about ourselves at all it's all about thinking about him and thinking about others that's what hum, true humility is biblical humility humility and you can be guaranteed in revival that it will stop whenever pride creeps in you know it's sad isn't it we, we, look, we hear so many stories of churches being 
broken up and church splits and arguments. And the main reason for it often is pride. Pride keep, creeps in. Somebody thinks they're too big for their boots and somebody thinks they're better than everybody else. And all of a sudden, it's gone. But God shows favor and abundance. You know, my prayer for us as a church is that, as I've said last week, that we wouldn't be a successful church. My prayer is that we would be a faithful church. A church who is faithful to the Lord, faithful to his promise, faithful to his call. And that in his time, he will bless in his way. We don't want to see success. We want to see just life transformed and Jesus glorified. That's all we want. We don't want to make a big name for ourselves. We just want to see Jesus lifted up. And Jesus known in our community. That's why we're here. So a revival will stop when pride creeps in. Number seven, revival will stop when Christians get tired. And you know, this is often a mistake in revival. If you've ever read about revival or heard about revivals, it's often a common mistake. People, for some reason or another, because revival comes, people decide that they're going to have to throw out all of their normal way of doing things, their normal routines, abandon that, and they have to just commit themselves 24-7 to what God is doing. But you know that? We see that, that that's absolutely crazy. You read it about it in revivals. People stop eating. They stop sleeping. They're not fasting. They just stop eating because, that, because they're so caught up in it all. They stop sleeping. They're awake at all hours during the night. During the, they're up at silly hours. And eventually, excitement runs away with a lot of the people, if you read about it. Excitement runs away with them. But then we see the problem with that is the burnout comes quickly. We're trying to burn the candle at both ends. We're trying to be there all the time and on fire all the time. And we want to be there. We need to have a hundred meetings in a row. Otherwise, God's not going to... That is not what happens in true revival. And we see that as a result of it, it's impossible for them to carry on. We see pastors, they, you might as well get a body bag for the pastor or the leader of the revival because they're dead by the end of it. They're exhausted. They can't carry on anymore. But that's not what it's about. It, you know, we need to be sensible. You know, and my prayer is when revival comes, that we, you know, it's not just God leads. God's a God of order, not a chaos. I've said that many times. You know, he's not going to bring about... It, bring about something that will cause us to burn out or to be crazy we've got to be sensible we want if god comes and pours out his spirit i don't know about you but i long for it to last for years and years not just for a few months or for a few weeks i don't want to hear of the great welsh revival of 2019 that lasted a week and then everybody got burnt out and tired so it stopped my prayer is god pour out your spirit and may it be a continual flow from heaven for years and years upon end that there would be a great multitude that your people would be energized Revival stop when Christians get tired. And also that happens within the life of church as well. You see ministries decline and churches decline. A lot of the time, yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's because of sin, but a lot of the time it's just because people are tired and they've never raised up successors. I know that's one thing that's big on my heart for us as a church, is to raise up a successor in all areas, in all ministries. We want to bring our young people along with us, not leave them on the side. We want to bring them along and say, come on, get involved, help serve, discover God's call for your life. We want every person who comes in to discover God's call for their lives and to fit in. We want this to be, to keep going for years and years on end. We long for God to bless this house until he comes again. We long for that. So revival will stop when Christians get tired. Number eight, a revival will stop. This is quite interesting, but it's true. A revival will stop when churches try to get believers to leave their current church to join the church where revival is happening. 
It's happened in the past. If you don't believe me, it's happened in the past. They say, oh, come down here. God's blessing us in this place. Come here. And all of a sudden, you see people flocking and leaving their churches and going away. God's blessing. Instead of waiting and standing strong and believing God would move in that place, they just run away. You know, unfortunately, we've seen it happen even within this place where God was moving down in Cumbran. People were drawn. But that's not God's heart for the church. God's heart for the church isn't to draw away, take people from the local churches everywhere and just stick them in one place. God wants to bless every church. He wants to move in every church. He wants his people to be planted and keep holding on to him. You know, as I've said many times, I've been up front with this many times. We as a church are not into church transfers or church hopping. We don't want to see this place grow because people are jumping from other churches. My prayer is that we would see new people come in and get saved. That's what I'm praying for. Real salvation. Now, there are times, obviously, when God calls people to leave a church. But, you know, very few and far between that is my prayer is that there would be new people come in. New people. I don't know about you, but that's my heart. God, bring in new people, new growth, new lives. People whose lives have been so caught up in sin, being transformed by the power and love of God. That's what I long for more than anything. You know, we don't want to just encourage people to just join our church. But that's unfortunately what can stop revival. Psalm 92 says this. It says in Psalm 92, verse 12 to 15. Psalm 92, verse 12 to 15. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age, and they will stay fresh and green. That's what I'm praying for my life. God, in old age, may I still be producing fruit and being fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there's no wickedness in him. You know, I, I'm not ashamed to say I've been a part of this church all my life. I know my prayer, even though my prayer is, God, I long to be in this place. Unless you heed a call, but my plan, and God, my heart, keep me here all my life. Because God blesses when we are planted. There are so many of you here tonight who have planted and have been in this church for years and years and years. And God will bless that. God honors that. God doesn't want us just jumping around. He wants us planted, even in the good times and the bad times. Because that's when we'll see God blessing us. Being planted means... That we're going to be there in the good times. Being planted means we're going to be there even on the quiet nights like this, even in the tough times. But we're still here because we're faithful. We belong to our God. We believe in our God. We believe in his promises. And yes, times will change. Yes, there'll be good seasons. Yes, there'll be difficult seasons. But God has promised that we will flourish. We will bear fruit if we just plant ourselves and say, God, I'm not shifting. And it's not a matter of us just saying, God, I, I, you know, I'm not going here because my family are here and all these things. It's making a determination in our hearts. Planted means not sit, stay in there begrudgingly. Oh, do I have to be here? Do I have to come? But actually it means to be planted. God, I'm choosing to be here. I'm choosing to be here. And I'm not just choosing to be here. I'm going to contribute while I'm here. I'm going to give all that I can to see your work and your plans come to pass. God blesses that. Number nine, revival. This is very straightforward, this one. Revival will stop when believers stop loving one another. When there's no real love amongst the church anymore, you can guarantee anything that God is doing will stop. Because Jesus has commanded us to love the Lord God with all of our hearts, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. What's number two? 
love your neighbor as yourself. You know, we need to love one another. The Bible says to love one another, pray for one another. It says in, in, John, in 1 John, it says that the world will know that we belong to Jesus through the way that we love, through the way that we love one another. It's not through social media. It's not through our great music. It's not through great preaching. The world will be convicted by our great love for one another. His love being shred, shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, that's what the world will see in and through us. We're called to build one another up. We're called to pray for one another. We're called to stand there with one another. Sometimes we're called to pull each other in line. But we're called to be there for one another because that's what people do. That's what family does. You know, that's what my parents do. Whenever I'm out of line, they'll bring me back in line. But they're always encouraging me, always supporting me. And the reason behind it is because of their love for me. That's what family does. It's because we love you. And, you know, when we stop loving one another, you can guarantee God's not going to be in that place. And that's when we see in so many churches bitterness. The enemy would long for roots of bitterness to take place in our hearts. Disagreements, arguments, all these things. He just longs for that. Because he knows that when that happens, God won't bless it and God won't be there. And number 10, finally, a revival will stop when believers don't practice self-denial. You know, when God is moving, church is alive. You know, church is being, people are coming in week in, week out, it's growing. It's an exciting place. However, there's a danger that we can get so caught up in everything that is going on we can go, become so dependent on everything that is going on that we stop denying ourselves and looking for the Lord. We can stop denying ourselves. You know, you read about it in many, in many revivals. A lot of churches have become spiritually fat. They've become spiritually lazy. They've stopped doing the work of the Lord. They've stopped surrendering their lives to the Lord. They've stopped praying. And they're all just waiting for God to do it. They're just kicking back, sitting back, and waiting for Him to do it instead of denying themselves and going after him more and seeking him more. They live for themselves instead, instead of seeking after him. You know, this is one of the greatest devices of Satan to try and stop us from denying ourselves and pulling the Lord first. You know, what the enemy wants you to do is to live for yourself. He'll put everything in your life. He'll try and start everything in there to stop you from seeking the Lord, from stopping you from putting the Lord first in your life. He'll distract you, he'll discourage you, he'll bring temptations into your life. He'll open up doors of opportunity, anything he can to stop you from surrendering your life to Jesus and following him day by day. He will do anything he can. You know, as a church, we've always got to put Jesus first. We've always got to deny ourselves. You know, we've got to take up our cross daily and say, God, I'm not living for me, I'm living for you. Jesus, forgive me today. Jesus, I surrender my life afresh to you today. We can guarantee when we do that, God will bless it, God will honor it. But when we don't, when we live for ourselves, when we try and, and become lazy and just go through the motions, God will bless it. So tonight, as we come to a conclusion, as I said, we could have gone on for another two or three weeks easily on looking at more roadblocks. Next week, we're going to start looking at some actual revivals. Anybody want to hear about some great revivals of the past? I tell you what, when, you know, that was one of the biggest things that brought encouragement to my heart, just hearing what God has done. It's exciting. It builds faith in our hearts, hearing the great things that God has done, and it builds anticipation, believing for him to do it again. So we're going to start looking at some of the great revivals of the past over the next couple of weeks. But 
tonight. I wonder, are any of these roadblocks amongst us? Are any of these roadblocks amongst us? You know, we're being honest tonight. We're not living in revival. We're not seeing this a regular occurrence of salvation. You know, if we're being honest, it's tough on times. You know, I wonder tonight, is there anything that's stopping the Lord from working? Yes, we can say, we're stopping God working in this place, but tonight it comes back to me. I've got to search my heart and ask the Holy Spirit to search my heart. God, is there anything in me that's stopping you from working in and through me? We've got to ask God to look in our hearts, search our hearts, Lord. And God, if there's anything that's unpleasing, get it in. Remove those roadblocks so that we might be channels for you, channels of your spirit, Lord. You know, that's got to be our prayer tonight. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, then I will forgive their sin, then I will there's a challenge here to the people of God to examine their hearts and to make sure it's right. It's a moment of grace for us tonight, even for us few here this evening. So I want to encourage us, even tonight, let's ask the Holy Spirit to come and just to remove anything that's stopping him from working in our lives, to put his finger on those areas in our lives that might be blocking him from moving in and through our lives. Why? So that Jesus would be glorified. The church would be built up. Others would be encouraged. The community would be transformed. You know, God has got so much for us. Let's not, let there not be anything within our hearts that's stopping him from doing that within our lives and within this place. Let's ask him tonight, God, search my heart. Help me to get everything right. Let's put our lives right with you. Amen. Shall we pray? Thanks again for listening to this podcast. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe. And check out our podcast channel for past episodes. For more content from Gateway and to connect with us, go to gatewaychurchcumry.co.uk. Have a great day.